bored now. This is the Extra Extra Hot Great Podcast, Episode 23, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Power Ranking. I am Gentleman David T. Cole, and I'm here with Allotrophobic Sarah D. Bunting and Mustard Getter-Outer Tare Oriano. Once more with feeling. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Extra Extra Hot Great. Thank you so much for your support. Here's what we're doing today. In the years since Buffy the Vampire Slayer seemed to dominate the cultural conversation and certainly our Television Without Pity forums, some of the main cast have gone on to bigger and better things. Others have gone on Dr. Phil with disastrous results. In today's Extra Extra Hot Great, we are ranking the top 10 cast members listed on the IMDb plus Joss, to see who's a chosen one and who is canceled based on what they have done since the show ended in 2003. If you'd like to see what we're working off of, there will be a link in the show notes to the page, or you can just, you know, find it. Uh, We will be going in IMDb order and giving our ranking 1 to 11 for each person. I will be doing some arithmetic as we go along. And at the end, we will have our... um, sort of bottom two hall of fame and our top three medalists. (laughs) All right. Let us begin with Buffy herself, Sarah Michelle Geller. Um, This is one of those that uh, she sort of started out in one place and kept sliding down my rankings. I feel like she's done a lot of stuff, but nothing I saw. Uh, She had that sort of promising Japanese horror film thing, but then she was on the crazy ones, which I was never going to care about. Um, She still looks great, but she's only at number nine for me. Tara? I ranked her a little bit higher. I I admire that she has downshifted to doing mostly voice work, uh, I, I think. Yeah. Half the cast has been on Robot Chicken, by the way. Yeah. But she's she's done a Star Wars show as well, an animated oh, yeah. show. So you know, I, I admire the uh, the decision to like do less <laughs> for probably the same amount of satisfaction. Um, she also played twins on Ringer on the CW only for one season, but you know that's not easy. And she's still married to Freddie Pinch Jr., which you know what? Good for them. This is it's like not easy. Yeah, they've that's like a hundred years in Hollywood marriage terms, and True. apparently, judging by their Instagrams, is still uh, IRL friends with Shannon Doherty, and we stand. So, <laughs> I ranked her right in the middle, six with six points. Dave. So I think she does voice work in Star Wars because her husband did that first, and she was like, "Hey, look at all this work you have to do, and not get dressed up, and you can go there yeah. in yoga pants." So that's pretty great. That's my theory, exactly. anyways. And why not? Why wouldn't you? Yeah, she's had the ringer. She had crazy ones. And beyond that, it's most and the grudge beyond that. It's mostly small bits and voice work. But here's the thing where you have to dock her points. She played herself on Big Bang Theory. And I feel like when you play yourself on a CBS show, you're really it's really tough to come back from that. So uh, I have placed her number eight. Mm. So before we go on, I have to make a correction because I was reading you the score of the first one, not my ranking. So I just said eighth, but that meant eight points because Sarah Michelle Geller was my fourth place person. Okay. All right, moving on. I'm actually glad that he's next because we can get this painful chapter of the rankings over with. <laughs> Nicholas Brendan, who played Xander Harris. Um, he has wor- He worked pretty steadily after the show at first, but... I think was just sort of steadily overtaken by addictions and sort of tussling performatively with them on Dr. Phil and like sort of tussling literally with Dr. Phil producers. Mm. He, I think was arrested at a con at least once. Uh, I mean, this like addiction is tough, no judgments, but he is absolutely flailing. And I think was, you know, I mean, even the zeering didn't end up being the zeering, but he was kind of the zeering of that cast. So he was last for me, number 11. 
Yeah, for me as well. I, in my notes, I just have drug stuff. And you're right. Addiction is addiction is hard. I agree. No judgment. Where the judgment comes in is like if you think that you're going to come off better than Dr. Phil on Dr. Phil, like you're not. This is this is a bad calculation. It can't it can't possibly end well for you. And that's why you don't do it. You have your addiction problems in private. And when they call you, you say no. So yes, I also ranked him in last place with one point. What is the story behind that? Trying to outdo Dr. Phil on Dr. Phil? Can you nutshell that? What what exactly he did? He went on Dr. Phil for help and then kind of just tried to, I don't know, tried to sort of like turn it around on Dr. Phil and have Dr. Phil do a heel turn. Yeah, he was just like really arrogant and was trying to like argue with him that there was nothing wrong with what he was doing and like just, you know, basically trying to come off better than Dr. Phil instead of like just setting up a bunch of points where Dr. Phil could edit it to make him look probably even worse than he did, which was, I'm sure, not great. Right. Yeah, it's just not, I mean, not that I don't understand the instinct, but like you have to know if you've ever watched even four frames of Dr. Phil (laughs) that that's not going to be allowed to happen no so my rankings generally have been on their career not so much what they did in their personal lives because i don't really know i totally forgot that this guy sort of faded from uh hollywood probably because of his his own making um with that in mind and we'll get into who ranks below him in my listings as we go along but i ranked him uh i ranked him third from last ninth i mean sometimes absence does make the the heart grow fonder there all right, next up, Allison Hannigan. Uh, I had her pretty high up despite the How I Met Your Mother thing. Like, I had tried to have as little contact with that show as possible. But when I did, um, she was always fine on it. I always liked her on it. Um, I love that she's still married to Wesley in real life and that they're still a super cute couple. And her Trina Eccles on Veronica Mars was really a departure after Willow and in the smartest, bitchiest way. So I had her pretty high. I ranked her number four. Uh, okay. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I did watch How I Met Your Mother right to the bitter end. She was very cute on it always, very likable character. Um, had a, Having a shopping addiction also meant that she always looked amazing. <laughs> so... <laughs> Also relatable. Yeah, very um, aspirational character in that respect. Um, Hosting the magic show or whatever the fuck she does right now on the CW does kind of lower her worth. But for sure, How I Met Your Mother makes her the biggest them of the cast. So I have ranked her second for 10 points. Ah, All right. Allison Hannigan is my number one. And here's why. Uh, I think she has the best pivot from Buffy the Vampire Slayer and has been Mm -hmm. working consistently on long-term projects, which is uh, something that plagues most of the people on the uh, Buffy staff in their post-Buffy career. Um, Right out of the gate, she kind of like gone, went to American Pie and whatever you say about American Pie, it put her on the comedic map and gave her legs beyond Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And then, of course, after that, we had How I Met Your Mother, which kept her employed for like a decade. And, yeah. mm. you know, that is a show that it's going to be in syndication for the next 15 years, at least, or stream a syndication or whatever, you, whatever, <laughs> however you get your real money these days. Um, yeah. So I think she set up and I think like she still people loved Willow so much in that character and, you know, and her as an actor for doing that. And I think the projects she chose after didn't really like ruin any of that and whereas a lot of the people were talking about you know maybe not so much the case so she's my number one yeah solid fair all right uh anthony stewart head uh now mostly going by anthony head uh giles of course um giles for me is the character on actual buffy who has had the best sustain um has aged the best uh we never got sick of him i wish they'd ever done that ripper series prequel thing they were talking about in like 2002 or something to kind of wean us off of buffy as it turns out season seven did that just fine (laughs) um he has been working a ton it's not stuff most americans may have seen that 
Drunk History UK exists and that he played, among others, Alexander Graham Bell upon it, <laughs> gives me joy. Um, mm-hmm. He still basically looks the same and is craggy. And I hated the Iron Lady, but seeing him for like seven seconds on screen almost saved the whole thing. Mm-hmm. I just love him. Um, mm-hmm. His delivery of the word pillock still <laughs> flits through my dreams like a... Earl Grey scented butterfly, but enough about me. He's my number three. Tara. Well, um, I agree with everything you said, and I'll just add Ray Ripper. We talked about this on the main podcast before, but if you want something that's sort of adjacent to that idea and you get epics, <laughs> um, Pennyworth. Yeah. The, sh- the show about Alfred is a similar kind of thing where it's like the, the badass, uh, origin story of kind of an older statesman in a genre show it's not exactly the same of course but similar similar feeling of what we read ripper was going to be dave you totally agree yeah i think you can easily switch the your head canon while watching that show and pretend it's about giles without too much (laughs) too much in your way okay yeah yeah and that kid could totally be playing like older he he could play young anthony stewart head too anyway pennyworth is good um, anyway, yes, I, back to, to Anthony Stewart head though. Uh, I agree with everything Sarah said. He works too, like in prestige stuff like Amazon's Vanity Fair and silly nonsense like sci-fi's Dominion and intentionally silly nonsense like the aforementioned Drunk History UK. Um, no matter what else happens in his career, he will always have that voice, I hope. Um, so originally I had him and An- Allison Hannigan flipped, but I, I ultimately changed it because I just like him more. So that's why I have ranked him number one. Wow. <laughs> nice. Yeah. All right. That counts. First of all, I have to ask, why has he dropped Stuart from his professional name in recent yeah. years? That doesn't make sense to me. Is he trying to be less British, which is weird because uh, most of his work is in the UK now, post-Buffy, for the most part, mm-hmm. anyways, which is fine. Maybe there was another Anthony or Anthony uh, head in UK SAG, perhaps. and that individual died, and he could move up. Seems right. weird timing, but anyway. Mm, could be. Yeah. Sounds like a very common British name. Uh, first of all, Dominion was super bad. God, I hated that show so much, because it was like a, a Legion <laughs> spinoff, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The movie Legion, not the show, obviously. Uh, which is a super bad movie that I absolutely love. It is so bad, but it's so great. And I was kind of excited because somebody told me they're making a sequel to Legion. It's on TV and Giles is in it. I'm like, wow, watching it. Christ, this is bad on every level. <laughs> it was not self-aware at all. It was trying to be like, uh, like Stargate, like, or something and all serious all the time. And the special effects were like, they didn't even get the right shade of green. Uh oh, you know, it was like, you know, it's just bad. Um, Drunk UK, I mean, Drunk History UK is something I didn't know existed until uh, this recording. So something I think we'll have to track down through methods and Mm -hmm. uh, sample. Mm -hmm. Um, I love him as Giles and he's been consistently great in everything that I've seen, but everything I've seen isn't much because most of his work since Buffy has been in the UK he has been working consistently though all the time. And I think for that, I am ranking him number five, number five. So just behind Geller. All right. Moving on to James Marsters, who of course played Spike. I don't know if you guys know this, but he has a soul (laughs) now. Um, I completely forgot he was in uh, like a little arc of the, Late, only lamented by me and Adam Grossworth, Witches of East End. Um, he was also really good on Angel when he moved over there. Um, it, this guy, like, I, th- I think he's been working. It just hasn't been stuff that I've seen. It's, it's like he had a whatever three episode arc on Person of Interest. I don't actually know if that's true, but it's just stuff like that, like mm-hmm. CBS dark web shows that I don't watch. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. I mean, good for him. And I always felt like um, he he was like a little better than the garbage time material he sometimes got. And the accent, like I never I never had a problem with it. And one time I was watching, I forget what I was watching, like a Judging Amy rerun. Remember when you could find those? And he yeah. shows up as a like preacher, like a reverend at at someone's funeral. And he's 
he had his real accent that he was born. And I was like, uh, uh, like, well, I just didn't recognize him. Like he had brown hair and was talking like an American. And I was like, I remember where do I know that guy from? And I think I actually called Tara on the phone and was like, I got it. She's like, who is this? (laughs) Anyway, um, kind of right in the middle. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like the guy, but seven, because I just haven't seen the guy. Yeah. Uh, I'm close, close to that. Uh, I also noted which is a beast, and I believe he also had a mini arc or a recurring role in Hawaii Five O of all things, yeah. and he's a series regular as like one of the parents on Marvel's Runaways, which I didn't stick with, but I know people loved it. Shout out Kevin O'Keefe. Um, I'm never mad when he pops up and shit, but uh, I would like to just pitch since we're here. Um, of some kind of like brother vehicle for him and David Anders from Alias. Now that Ooh, he's yeah. free from uh, iZombie as a, uh, you know, bleach blonde, um, fake English accent havers playing mm-hmm. the heel in genre shows. Uh, there's something there. Tease it out. Anyway, uh, I, I'm, I'm fine with him, but he didn't light my world on fire. So I have him, um, I have him ranked fifth for seven points. All right. Uh, yeah. I don't know what that show is, but it has the word pasty in it. That's all I know. Pasty blinders. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I like it. Good start. Was he, was the mountain the show that lasted one episode and then disappeared? Two episodes. <laughs> yes. John Ramos somewhere is like, "Yep, it was two, starring quote Mitch Pileggi and quote Barbara Hershey. <laughs> um, I love the idea that he was on Hawaii Five O because he's so pasty as as Spike, yeah. and I could just imagine him just like you know after the first day of shooting, he's totally beet red and peeling and like third having a, degree sunburn totally. yeah <laughs> miserable time for the rest of the shoot um the one project nobody mentioned with good reason but just something i didn't know existed that plays into his ranking i believe is this like show or perhaps a web property called vidiots which sounds mm. so of its time i think it was probably late mm. aughts by the sounds of it it was like him and some other dude traveling the world and playing games or something like it was such a how can we make a show out of video games because video games are hot right now property actually i think it was more recent than that but um his other the his co-lead is like still using all the like derelict show accounts to like promote his like i got a cameo in this fourth tier show it's really sad the show's called vidiots anyways look it up because they got like all the only links for it still go to like their official facebook and their official instagram accounts and it's just like the one guy trying to pimp like his it's like basically the uh same as um who's the guy from 90210 that you follow that like is still pimping his movie it's vincent young Except it's this dude that was uh, co-starring with James Marsters on uh, on Vidiots. Um, oh, God. So uh, I was happy to see him in Runaways when he appeared there a couple of years ago. It was nice to see him back in action. Uh, like Sarah, I put him in the middle of the pack at number six. All righty. Um, surprisingly to me, the next person in the list, because they rank it or they um, list it on IMDb in terms of number of total episodes uh, is uh, Emma Caulfield Ford, a.k.a. Susan from 90210. Mm-hmm. She has really not done anything I've seen since Anya. Um, she, but I mean, I don't understand why I was going to say I don't understand why this actor never got huge, but now I just assume that it was some horrible Weinstein-y thing that happened. Mm-hmm. I mean, yep. also there's just a lot of people trying to be actors uh i still have residual goodwill from susan though i don't know if we're allowed to count that but i'm counting it um yeah but she's still not all that high up just because after anya i really haven't seen her maybe in some law and order criminal intent or something but really not that much out there so she's my number eight I'm close to that, uh, although I have to um, contractually note that she was in the Royal Pains Christmas special. Hello. Um, but seriously, recurring on Once Upon a Time as Blind Witch is not a great credit. I agree with you <laughs> no. on all counts. She should work more. It sucks that she doesn't. There's probably a really ugly, awful story that just has not come out yet. I hope that's not the case and that she just, you know, decided to write young adult novels under a pseudonym or something instead. Oh, my but. God. Please let that be true. I would love it, but she's uh, she's my number seven for five points. Yeah, my number eight. Uh, seems like she can pick up a half season arc here and there since Buffy, but uh, nothing sustained except for 
I guess she was part of like a, a Marty Noxon show that I've never heard of called Gigantic a little while ago, which was seemed to be like mm. kids in Hollywood doing stupid shit show, which I don't know if you mm. any bells remember mm. that. I have no recollection of that existing. Oh, yeah. Vaguely, they were like the children of of actors. Yeah. I think one of the one of Meryl Streep's daughters was the female lead, if I recall correctly. It was like a freeform show or something yeah. like that. Yeah, I vaguely remember. OK, that. well, that, okay. that yeah, that was seems to be her her big uh, get after Buffy, which isn't that big. So I also put her eight. All right. Fair enough. All right. They call her Dawn, Michelle Trachtenberg, um, who took so much shit because of this role. Uh, It's probably weird to rank her mostly based on a one episode turn as Abigail Adams on Sleepy Hollow, but it gotta be me. (laughs) I should probably have her hire because of Gossip Girl, but I'm going to leave that to the professionals because I actually have not got around to watching that show yet. She does a lot of one-offs. She's always really good. Her hair still looks like you can smell the prell through mm-hmm. the screen. <laughs> Are these um, valid ranking metrics? It's my show. So I put her in number six. She's like, she's always good. And she didn't let Dawn get her down. Yeah, I don't have much more to add than that. I believe she was like on a nurse show for a hot second on NBC that didn't go anywhere with Piper from Orange is the New Black. But yeah, her her role on Gossip Girl, she was like a true queen bitch, and that was very funny coming off Buffy, but she never really converted it into anything bigger. So I have no ill will for her, but I've ranked her number eight with four mm. points. I put her right in the middle at number seven between your six and eight. So I think we're all in agreement on uh, her trajectory, <laughs> and I really have nothing to say to her as an actor. I I, I remember her as Dawn. I remember being annoyed by by her acting as Dawn because it's like a whiny character. It's not her fault. Yeah, but mm. it's you know since then I guess she's been on Six Feet Under and Weeds. I don't remember from either of those shows. Um, no, she will forever neither. be Dawn, and I'm very sorry for that, uh, Michelle. <laughs> Yeah, she was very good at being a misbegotten character. Yeah. Uh, okay, David Boreanaz as Angel um, and Bones and C- SEAL Team guy and uh, electorophobe. He's afraid of chickens. Mm-hmm. Um, finding that out when he was on David Letterman back in the day. And like he really was serious and Letterman could stop laughing. And Boreanaz <laughs> was like beginning to visibly sweat. <laughs> Talk just talking about chickens. Um, he, I would argue, has done the most with the least. Yeah, mm-hmm. and um, I still would. So he's my number one. Wow! At me, I, I have to. It. I have to say, if you were to have like done predictive rankings just as Buffy ended, who would have put David Boreanaz anywhere above like eight? You know, like, honestly. Yeah. So good on him. Yeah. 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 No, I, I mean, I have in my notes, he must be extremely nice and chill on set because he's been a series regular pretty much continuously since Buffy, as Sarah said, from Angel to Bones for 500 years. Yeah. And now SEAL Team starting its third season. I know. Season three of SEAL Team, timeline? guys. Who knew? Is SEAL Team the same show or a spinoff of The Unit? Because it seems like it's the same thing. To The Unit. Yeah, I mean, or they're all the same. E-Ring. T. God, E-Ring. Like, I don't care about any of these other shows, but America definitely knows that face. Mm-hmm. So I, I ranked him fourth for eight points. Yeah, he's totally going to be playing the Tom Selleck elder statesman of some show yes. in 20 years. Like, he, his CBS career is locked for life. Like, I know Bones yep. was Fox, but it's really CBS. Like, that is the most CBS show Fox has it, ever, Yeah, ever. it really was a for very sure. CBS-y Fox show. He also has one of those faces where he's going to look basically the same age for, like, 18 years which is perfect for a cbs procedural he's never going to touch a prestige show but he doesn't have to because every show that he goes on seems to last like well at least three years you know with field team going (laughs) you know bones ran for umpteen years uh Mm -hmm. plus let's not forget of course angel but let's not forget like i think he just ran into a whole bunch more money from the bones like residual settlement stuff that just like settled so the guy's swimming in it i'm sure and yeah. uh, who <laughs> would have thought that swimming. with this cast, it's a pretty strong cast for Buffy the Vampire Slayer, that he would end up number three for me. Number three. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, yeah it makes sense. 
Um, we're about to dip into the back of the pack again, I think. Uh, I was actually surprised to see that uh, Christine Sutherland, who is next, and Charisma Carpenter, who's right after her, had the same number of episodes on the show. Hmm. I got no kick with Christine Sutherland. Um, the only credit I recognized after Buffy was the following, which I could tell you with authority oh, yeah. is <laughs> not that show. good. <laughs> um, oh, Poehead. Why hast thou forsaken us? Uh, so yeah, number 10, like I got nothing against her. Um, uh, actor of her age trying to get work. Like uh, I get it. I have compassion for it, but she just hasn't been in front of my face. So number 10, uh, I was close to that. I literally had the first thing in my notes, nothing against her. She just hasn't worked much. Uh, every yeah. time I watch Bring It On, which is often, I always expect um, Torrance's mother to be her. It's not her, but it's yeah. someone that mom has strong Christine Sutherland energy. She's she's doing some real Joyce Summers work in that movie. But anyway, I ranked her mm. ninth, three points. That's funny because my, my first note is, fuck this actress. Not really. <laughs> She was basically a nothing after Buffy. She's got like three or four credits after. So, you know, Buffy was her thing. She was the mom on yeah. Buffy forever. Sure. She will be known as the mom on Buffy, you know, RIP Buffy mom. Uh, you were great on Buffy, did nothing after. She's my 11th. Mm. Yeah. That'll happen. All right. Charisma Carpenter uh, will turn 50 next year. That is impossible for me to believe. There is a portrait of her in an attic somewhere and more power to her. Um, she had what are almost all my favorite lines still on Buffy. That's somewhere that's else line like, Oh, and here's a lower place, which I'd say like daily. Um, <laughs> she was also fantastic as Kendall Casablancas on Veronica Mars. Um, she also always has great hair. Um, yep. she, I don't know. Like, this is probably too high, but that's charisma for you. She's my number two. Holy fuck. That is way too high. All right. Let's have well, a fight. Go ahead. Sorry. Tara. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree. She has, um, she looks incredible. She has great instincts for cult stuff. Um, mm -hmm. Veronica Mars, of course, but also my beloved Greek, which she was uh, excellent yeah. on as a, as a, uh, sorority alumna because duh, like <laughs> obviously she was. Um, and yeah, she, she basically looks the same now as she did on the show. There's some kind of dark magic there. I have mm -hmm. her ranked, um, third nine points. Wow. Yeah, All right. Well, geez. I'm way off your guys. I don't know what I'm missing here, but, uh, looking at her credits, this was sort of like it as far as consistent big work goes. She was part of a series called the lying game on ABC family, which I've never heard of and didn't last very long. But uh, she seems to have that kind of career where her credit is always guest star or special guest star, Charisma Carpenter, and that's sort of like you know where she fell into the yeah, into the mix after which is Buffy. Badass. Um, so by that, uh, I'm going to bring her average down. I ranked her tenth, second to last. All right, Dave. Mm, I'm surprised, frankly, that she's so high in yours because I feel like she didn't really do much. Um, so was Buffy. I, but I was yeah. like, no, I mean. No one's beating her in terms of like fond fellow feeling at right. this yeah. point. Got it. You know, I am an emotionless ranker, so <laughs> my cold volcano logic wins the day again. Fair enough. Cold volcano logic. Uh, all right. Well, let's wrap it up with Joss Whedon. Ugh, look, <laughs> I liked the cabin in the woods. Fine. But enough already with this guy. There's just like a like room temp smugness to his feminism mm. that I have mm -hmm. never cared for. Like yeah. over 20 years of my kind of being like making the jerk off motion under the table. So I don't get <laughs> attacked by the phantom, but like I just get the sense, especially um, given his, I assume now ex-wife's accusations, uh, the sense that he adopted said feminism in order to get laid. And it worked a little too well for everyone's comfort. I mean, I know you can't argue with results and he did like rewrite the teen slash cult TV Argo for a whole generation of people, but I just want to kick him in the tits. Sorry. Yeah. He's still number five though. Tara. Can, can somebody remind me what he, I know he was like in the news two years ago because he did something bad, but I forget what it was. 
Yeah, look it up while I'm talking, Sarah. I think he he was like just perving on people at cons and stuff and being gross. Yeah, that sounds. And his ex wife was like, he fucked everyone. Fuck him. So yeah, fair. I don't think anything felonious. Just no, no. He wasn't charged with anything. But yeah, I I mean, did you know, Sarah, that he was a women's studies major in college? Because he will tell you, like he's (laughs) he's a hundred percent that guy. Yeah, he Um, fully is. He's also like at the Tori Amos concert. Mm-hmm. with a pink t-shirt on yeah Got all men it. should be feminists i never want to hear one say that they are <laughs> like i realize this is hypocritical kind of but like you know what i mean yeah no i absolutely know what you mean as for his pervitude hbo apparently forgot about it but he because he has a new show coming out with them and and hat tip to the appointment television people that first put this on my radar but it sounds so twee it's like a parody of his worst unchecked checked impulses it's called the nevers Here's the logline. An epic tale following a gang of Victorian women who find themselves with unusual abilities, relentless enemies, and a mission that might change the world. First of all, that sounds familiar um, in like 500 different ways, like Penny Dreadful times Buffy. Great. But these character names, I realize it's the past, but Primrose Chataway, (laughs) Myrtle Uh Haplish, no penance adair and lavinia no. bidlow everything about no. this makes no. me want to burn down hbo i hate it so much he is in 10th place for me two points do you know who he's missing is the actress from uh downton abbey tuppence oh tuppence middleton tuppence yeah. middleton yes. i'm sorry tara what was your ranking of him at uh, 10th place two points oh my god hero i should have put him down further as my instinct told me but here we all are dave all right well keep in mind my my methodology here we're just going for you know career trajectory and you know who was able to to uh stay on after buffy i totally agree with you that he seems like kind of a, a dink and that you know he's his brand of feminism started in the 90s you know uh grrl power you know uh, template and didn't really you know get out of that um and, and i think you can like draw a line between stupid projects like sucker punch and that sort of like unnuanced yeah. you know girl power sort of thing yeah. uh where people are misguided and uh sort of draw the wrong conclusions from uh having power in a female character mm-hmm. um but let's not forget like somehow we had this like canceled before the first season was over, I think Firefly, or at least after the first season, and somehow we got a movie made out of that. You know, yeah. Um, yeah. God damn it! He put Marvel in high gear with Avengers. Like it was True. not an unknown quantity, but certainly the first Avenger movies and marrying all those characters in a compelling way put that whole MCU up another level. And, you know, he's never stopped working, you know, like he, even when he's not working on TV or movies, he's got like, like Buffy seasons as comic books, he's writing yeah, and everything. So yeah. he's, he's a script doctor too. For all like the reasons everybody hate him, it doesn't really seem to be hurting him as a Hollywood power player. Despite what you might think of him as a human being, uh, as <laughs> a career person, he is my number two from the Buffy. Yeah. 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 yeah makes sense. And the only reason I put him below Allison Hannigan is I feel like they both had a lot of success after Buffy, but she managed to do it in a more compelling way. So if I kind of like had them tied in my mind and I put her ahead uh, because that she did it without, you know, having all that grossness on her. So true. true. There is yeah, my one true. my my one thing that I'll that I'll say it wasn't uh, cold volcano logic. <laughs> Well, um, let's begin with the bad news, which I'm sure will not be a surprise to anyone, despite some uh, little outlier rankings for various other people. Um, The beleaguered by his own self, Nicholas Brendan, is last. And right above him is uh, Christine Sutherland. Fuck you! The the body. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Dave's cold volcano logic claims another victim. Just kidding. Um, We all ranked her pretty low. Uh, And then on the metal podium, uh, no real surprises here. Uh, It is interesting that neither actual Buffy nor Joss makes the podium, but uh, our bronze medalist is Anthony Stewart Head or Mm -hmm. Anthony Head, whatever he wants. He's Giles. Yep. Yep. 
In second place is Mr. David Boreanis and America's Sweetheart, number one, at the top of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer power rankings, Allison Hannigan. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I am good with those rankings. Yep. If I could, like, goose the rankings, you know, like, cheat stuff the ballot box. Now, the more I think about David Boreanaz's place in the post-Buffy world, the more I'm just, like, happy for him and want him to be number <laughs> <Yeah>. one. <laughs> There's yeah. something about him being number one, uh, being, like, not a great actor and, you know, a slab of a guy and, yeah. you know, he's kind of a goon. And uh, I that the place two is great, but somehow in my head canon, he's now number one. Yeah. <laughs> but this is what I'm saying. He must be like really just so easy going to work yeah. with because like that doesn't happen for people who are fucking assholes. I mean, Michael Weatherly to the contrary, but in general, like to mm. be that steadily working is really says something about your character, I think. Yeah, all around the dial too. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as four ninety nine a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! This is taking too long. Do you have to go over his entire life? <laughs> yes, I'm afraid we must. This is the Extra Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 28, Measure Twice, Cut Once. I am Planet Length David T. Cole, and I'm here with Smart Car Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> and Shrinky Dink, Tara Ariana. Hello! Welcome, everyone, to the Extra Extra Hot Great Podcast. This uh, topic sort of came up in our main episode this week when we were talking about Mrs. Fletcher and Dave noted how grateful he was that this was a dramedy that didn't try to push its length. It, it was around a half an hour, and that felt right for what it was trying to do. So many shows could learn from their example, because in an era where there is, by any reasonable assessment, rather a lot of television, we tend always to be grateful when a new show doesn't give us more than we would care to handle. When episodes aren't too long, when a season doesn't feel like it's been overstuffed. The reason we appreciate that is because there are so many shows that we like, but that do impose themselves excessively on our time. So in this episode, we are going to cut some shows down to size, and we will go around the horn and we'll each name first a half-hour show that could be an Adult Swim-style 12 minutes, then an hour-long show that could be a half-hour, and then a season of a TV show that could have been a movie. Who would like to – why don't we start with Sarah? Sarah, what is your half-hour show that could be 12 minutes? 
Um, my half hour show that could be 12 minutes, um, as you know, I'm not necessarily a sitcom person. And the ones that I do watch, like if I stick with it, then I think it's fine at mm-hmm. 22 minutes. So mm-hmm. um, I didn't, I was like struggling with this one, but I decided to go old school and say sex in the city um, <laughs> because uh-huh. so much of it was taken up with crappish puns, uh, sex where people left their brassiers on and more crappish puns that it's like i don't i don't necessarily need some of the things that are in this show and i think like maybe 12 minutes is a little is it like a big ask but like 16 minutes they Mm -hmm. could do and Mm -hmm. the shit that they have to cut out to make it okay for e when they're rerunning it like it probably is about 16 minutes (laughs) so and then just like really long shots of the skyline so that would be my pick I love it. That makes a lot of sense to me. Mine is a show that I have um, complained about at various times on our main show. It is a series called The Good Place. My problem with The Good Place is it started smart. It was an interesting idea, but it's so high concept and their rules for the universe are so, to me, infuriatingly elastic Mm. that there's a lot of times when we get to the end of the episode and it was like, what did we watch? (laughs) Like it's, this did not advance any kind of serial story. This just felt like dicking around and like, there is certainly a place for dicking around on TV. And that place is adult swim. Season three definitely was like, it was just a lot of like, I enjoyed these people and these performances, but this is some fucking stalling right here. So excellent choice. Thank you, Dave. Mine is the reality versus expectation Netflix show nailed it, which is a <laughs> fine show. Oh but yeah, I think you could easily cut that thing in half to get it to twelve or eleven minutes for an Adult Swim show. Just think about it. I mean, I don't think you have to lose any people. We definitely can do without the panic timer thing of the week is where Nicole yeah, yeah. goes and yells yeah, at people agree. and everybody's embarrassed for themselves and for her and it never actually works anyways like these are things that were good on paper when they were designing the show but i think Mm -hmm. after the first season they could have probably dropped that or revamped it or whatever because they never never ever changed the outcome the only thing that might help is if they get jacques to actually get some uh advice Mm -hmm. Uh, you know is this an egg yes okay thanks (laughs) (laughs) there's also like a lot of guest banter that nobody cares about especially because a lot of the guests are pause men's for netflix shows and stuff like that and a lot of the actual watching them bake isn't what puts asses in the seat so i think even the baking time could be cut in half um and Mm. then it's really just here's the concept pick your item for round one or here's the concept for round two bake for a bit and then like do the reveal and go. Or even if you want to get crazy, like really cut down the baking time and put another thing in there and have like three things, you know, whatever. So, um, you know, not that nailed it feels like super long to me when I watch it at 30 minutes, but it does feel like it's padded out. Yes. Either I would say either add another thing into the 30 minute show or cut what they have down to 12. Yeah, it's true. Like most of the time when they're showing the baking at all is like, oh, no, they put in five times as much butter (laughs) as they were supposed to. Like, just show us that. That's all we really need. Yeah, exactly. Just show us the screw ups, right? Because they don't we don't care if they're actually good. You know, that's not the point where, you know, this is (laughs) no, this is this is the first week of American Idol, the show. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Um, I have another one, a bonus one. So this is a 60 minute show that can go down to an adult swim show. And Uh what I'm proposing is we reduce the existing run of Nightman. Every episode, you go from (laughs) 60 minutes and you trim it into like a nonsensical, just all the stupid shit from that episode (laughs) that either is ludicrous, uh, the special effects, which obviously, you know, were bad even for the time. You highlight those. And it's just sort of like... In the spirit of like the Brack show or Coast to Coast where, you know, there's oh, a, yeah. you can kind of get it, but it's like really still, still messy and you're just on the couch at 2 a.m. because you can't fall asleep and you're watching Nightman, the, the abridged series. I think that would <laughs> do well for the, the stoner market that is Adult Swim. I love it. Yeah. Great idea. All right. Let's move on to hour long shows that could be a half hour. Sarah DeBunting, start us off. 
I really had trouble with that this one, and then I just decided I'm going to throw an entire genre in, and Ooh. that is police procedurals Interesting. Um, of the present day, because here's the thing. I feel as though, like, if you watch an old Law & Order, that was like 48 minutes yeah. of TV, and it didn't, like, it was very predictable, but you didn't necessarily feel any filler Mm-hmm. Weirdly, a present day episode of, for instance, SVU or Blue Bloods, kids ask your great grandparents <laughs> who listen to it on a Victrola. Uh, it can really feel very fillery, especially Blue Bloods, which is like, I, like, I find the show not disagreeable, but I also don't care about the family dinner scenes. Yeah. Yeah. Or p- scenes in which someone addresses someone else as little brother, which is not a thing Yuck. human beings who live Yuck. on Earth do. <laughs> little brother, would you mind alphabetizing my kitchen cans from A to Z? Yes, everything goes under K. Fuck <laughs> off. Um, yeah, no one calls it like son. I just, I just don't think that's a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, so if you cut all that stuff out and then on SVU, you, it means you don't have any room for, um, everyone bitching about how they can't get daycare, which is like either dig into that or shut the fuck up. We Mm -hmm. don't actually watch this for your kids. Right. So let's not hear about your kids. Let's chop this down to 28 minutes. And all you're doing is police working. Isn't your proof of concept sort of baked into Law and Order, though? Because isn't Law and Order a 30-minute police procedural and a 30-minute courtroom show, kind of? It actually was conceived so that it, they could be split up in right. syndication. That's yeah. how Dick Wolf built I them. mean, the earlier ones, when I still watch, certainly seem to be stitched together in that manner. And you know, yeah. they were just well, slower pace as all TV was slower no, pace. No, they literally then. were. This was, the, this was how he sold it. Right. Yeah. Right, right. But also those early seasons and then they got back to this at the end, you know, you knew almost nothing about the characters' personal lives yeah. until that one season I hate where they were like, let's find out what's going on with fucking Briscoe's daughter. daughter. Yeah, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Pass. Nothing good. Spoiler. Sorry, lady. Not interested. Door slam. Carrie Lowell's Dead. custody battle. <laughs> oh, God. Fucking yeah. Neil. The season I hate. All right, I'll go next. Uh, I had I have one and an alt, um, and my alt is only such because I thought you might pick it, Sarah. Except I think you hated it more than I do, and your answer would be, "Let's cut this hour long show down to zero hours." Zero? But the show is BH nine hundred two one zero. This summer's revival, and you know I won't belabor this because we said it many times on our podcast on that again with this. But why this show, which was conceived as a comedy. Ever was an hour long. I do not know. And if it had been a half hour. No, I wouldn't cut it down to zero minutes. I think you're maybe oversubscribing. Like, I didn't find it as charming as you did because Mm -hmm. I still think Jenny Garth is a C and I think you don't care. Correct. As much about that aspect of it. Um, Uh I find her more off putting than you. But it, once it sort of seemed to figure out that it should have been a half hour show and began conducting itself in that manner despite its format. Yep. I mean, if it comes back, I will, even not for work, watch it, because <laughs> it was kind of, like, just really weird yeah. in a unique way. But, yes, that's an excellent choice. Yeah. I mean, if it had been a half hour the whole time, they could have, like, just dispensed with the stalker storyline oh, entirely, and that ended up going nowhere as it was. So. Yeah. And then fucking Brian's son, non-son. Oh, God, yes. Yes. Don't don't leave us open, show. Just don't. Seriously. But my real answer is the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Mm, that's one that I'm like, yeah, zero minutes. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> yeah, this is a show that like when it started, I was like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is not a half hour show. Like this is so explicitly a comedy that it's shocking to me how long it is. And like, you know, I don't need to, again, belabor how much the paladinos need to learn how to edit themselves but like Mm -hmm. if the show were a half hour maybe we wouldn't have to hear the same line of dialogue five times back and forth (laughs) like get on with it people have things to do like this is i never thought there could be a more indulgent show than gilmore girls and they really proved me wrong but i think they could they could carve out a better show if the running time was significantly shorter. So that is my answer for that. Mm. Dave. 
I mentioned this on the main podcast, but I will use it for my pick as a launching point anyways, and that is the new Twilight Zone. There's no reason Mm. any one of those episodes couldn't have been 30 minutes like the original series was. Yep. The setup for Twilight Zone is normal circumstance, something different or odd or, you know, mirror universe is happening. Example, example, conclusion. You know, and except the new one is just example, 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 conclusion. Like, it's not really adding (laughs) anything except just going in a few more loops in the middle. And it sort of, it drags. They all drag because, um, well, I mean, I have problems with the new Twilight Zone. I actually don't think it's a very good show. I don't think it actually captures the spirit of the original. They seem to not be quite in tune with the formula of what made the original one so appealing. But that's not what we're talking about. But, like, if they did, it's still too long. Yeah. Mm. All the episodes, I kind of like the the comedian one the best, but even that one, it was just like, okay, he's going to kill another one. Like, do one by mistake, kill one on purpose, end of episode. Not, you know, do one by mistake, kill three more or whatever it was. Right. (laughs) Have a little faith in your audience that they'll catch on. Well, the other thing is that the difference between then and now is that we are, because we know what the Twilight Zone is, we're already primed for the twist. And I'm sure that, I guess that was true then. But like, you know, audiences are smarter and more savvy. They can figure this shit out and see it coming from further away. So like, just get to it. Yeah. Yeah. Good pick. I'm going to also, in that, not as universally applied to Twilight Zone, but I think a lot of Black Mirror suffers from the same sort of thing. Not yeah. Certainly not all of them, but yeah. in the later like, seasons. Well, it can be feature length, like... Yeah, it can. It could. But should it? Yeah. You know, there's sci-fi short stories and you're trying to make novels out of them. Don't. Just let them stay in Amazing Stories magazine. It's a (laughs) five-minute read. That's how they exist and that's how they exist best. Yep. Mm, Great pick. All right, our final round. A season of television that could have been a movie. Sarah. Um. There were a bunch of candidates for this, but I decided to go with the one that came up first, uh, going with my gut, and that's the latest season of 13 Reasons Why. Um, Mm. This has been suffering from mission creep, um, (laughs) emphasis on the creep, since season one, where, all right, in season one, uh, like, the subject matter entirely aside... The premise, which was based on a book, is that there are 13 sides of cassettes. So fine, you have 13 episodes. That's a traditional number. It did. It was soft in spots. It's not all the actors were up to it, but the 13 episodes didn't feel um, like laborious or as much. But then you keep that show name and you extend the plot past what the book was doing. And then like it really I would compare it in subsequent seasons to in a Kung Fu movie when everybody politely lines up on the villain side to fight (laughs) Sammy Hung in order. And it's like, okay, here is why Justin might have done it. Oh, wait, he didn't. Here's this um, new woman. And here's why she might have done it. And then Jessica's back and here's her. And it's like, not everyone needs a full episode. Let me ask you a question, Sarah. Do you think this was the first instance in the history of the universe and humanity that 13 Reasons Why and a Kung Fu movie were compare and contrasted? (laughs) I don't think it's even the first time I did it. So (laughs) listeners are going to have to... um, I know I've made that comparison um, in shows like this where... It, it is like a whodunit and you start with the dead body and then every episode is like, let's explore this alibi. Let's see how the, how it connected. Let's dismiss this person as a suspect. Like, all right, yeah. fine. But you don't have to silo and contain them that neatly. And some people's episodes could be 14 minutes mm-hmm. and maybe someone needs an hour and eight minutes. I just feel like, especially on Netflix, if you have that flexibility, use the flexibility yeah. to tell yeah. the story at the length that it wants to be told. Like chapters in the book. But yes, 13 Reasons Why, which I didn't finish. But if it had been a feature, I would be done. Mm. Nice. Well, mine is American Horror Story. Yes. I was wondering if someone was going to bring this up. Any season. Uh, this is, of course, 
an anthology series where it's a different story every time, although there are now at this point some elements that carry through from season to season and, you know, they're connected in various ways, blah, 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 blah. But, I mean, as I said about The Good Place, you know, speaking of elastic rules, (laughs) American Horror Story really seems like it has – it's written on the fly and, like, the writer's room changes every three episodes where, like, nobody knows what happened before they got there. Like those paper towel stories? You just fold it and hand it to the next person? In the current season – American Horror Story 1984 is basically like their take on Friday night, uh, Friday the 13th, where it's like, it's, it's set, the first part of it at least is set at summer camp. And then the first five episodes, it kind of tells a complete story and gets to the end. And now it's like, it's continues to go and it's four years later. And so it's, it's almost already like the first half of the season is the the original. And now we're into the sequel. (laughs) Like they're already kind of structuring seasons that way. And I feel like, in every season, there's there's one kind of cohesive through line that like it starts strong and it ends strong and then a bunch of shit happens in the middle. And I feel like if it were the length of a feature film, it would it would follow it, w- it would be able to define its own internal logic more clearly and stick to it, which is mm. often a problem in the middle parts of these seasons, which with a show that I do like, but it's just so it's so messy. So that's my pick, American Horror Story. Mm, Solid. Dave. All right, I have two. One's a bit of a cheat, but I'm just going to throw it in there, and that's American Gods, which is my problem isn't Mm. that it's got a lot of content. It does. It's it's stretched out, obviously, trying to make a TV show out of it. But, um, you know, once upon a time, American Gods was going to be a series, and Sandman, both Neil Gaiman properties, was going to be a movie. And... I said at the time, wow, that they should flip flip those like a Sandman needs to be the series, obviously, because there's like 25 books, you know, on it. And American Gods is one relatively small novel. Mm-hmm. Not that I want the American Gods, the TV show to be the movie. That's why it's a cheat, because that series isn't very good. They did not capture the feel. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's like a self-contained story and it's relatively short. So that should that should be the uh that should be the movie and Sandman is getting made into a TV show now. So that'll be interesting. Um, my hey. actual pick is the terror. Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, first season was this Arctic monster scenario. And the second was an internment camp haunting demon kind of thing. The premises are very interesting. The execution kind of suffers from that middle bloat, especially when you have a series that's let's just say, I forget what it is. Cause I ended up watching the first season of terror over the span of 12 years, because I was just like, I watched one, I would go into a coma just because of the, it was all like night Arctic shots. It just put you to sleep. It was just like, it had this like melatonin quality to it. So it took me a long time to watch it, but like the premise was interesting. Uh, but the execution there's, Dudes on boats are being hunted by some monster. The dudes on boats are trapped by ice in the Arctic, so the boats aren't going anywhere. So basically, it's it's a version of the thing, the right. movie, the thing, kind of. Mm-hmm. And like the like the thing had no problem conveying claustrophobia, human to human tension. You know that that mistrust, people getting picked off one by one, like all that happened in two hours, and it was very effective. And the terror season one was going for a lot of the same same stuff so i feel like that could be the movie it it could be tighter and be as a result more terrifying yeah Uh, i have a bonus one uh which is not in your thing but it's going the opposite way movie that should have been a tv series because i came across it doing research for this and it's like why netflix hasn't like greenlit this is beyond me it's world war z from the um Mm. from the book because the movie is really very not like the book. The book is a bunch of vignettes about yeah. life after a zombie apocalypse. And like some of the, some of them are like, you know, the doctor, what does the doctor do? But some of them are like, there's a Chinese submarine under the water and zombies are at the ocean floor tapping on the hole because they're just roaming the whole earth and they can't die. And it's all just weird, creepy shit like that. Um, <laughs> so let's make that. I, I mean, if we're doing that, I have one too. And Dave, you know this because I keep saying it. But Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino movie that came out this summer, already is like back with additional material. And like, there's so many parts of that sh- of that film where it just seems like you're taking a, a detour into telling you more about a certain character just because 
Quentin Tarantino like did the work and think they're neat. <laughs> like just want you want to spend more time with them. And it's not that you don't, but like make a TV show, my brother, my dude. Like why not just expand this out? Make it six episodes, put it on Netflix. They're already, you know, adding material to the hateful eight and making it even longer. Like, just make a show. This is clearly what you want. This is ACAST Recommends. Every week we pick one of our favorite shows, and this is one we think you're going to love. Welcome to The Naked Scientist. What is a panic attack? You might get to see a hedgehog. I'm the world's first IVF baby. What a wonderful time to be alive. We're landing on the moon. <laughs> Every week, our podcast covers cutting-edge news, great stories, and hands-on science. Science. And that is to say, physics, medicine, nature, or space, time, the brain, life, the universe. Subscribe to The Naked Scientist on Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcast from the U.S. and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.